Alright, let's open our Bibles, Colossians chapter 1. From there we declare the glory of the Lord this morning. Colossians chapter 1. I particularly want this because of what we are beginning to teach this morning. Let's start from verse 12 and read all the way to verse 20. Are we there? Alright, read it like you are blessed. Amen? Let's start first. Are you blessed? If you are blessed, say amen. Alright, now because you are blessed, read that boldly. One, two, let's go. To the Father, let us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Thrones or rulers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. Again, we remind ourselves that Christianity is not about good works primarily, or being a nice person. Those things are fallouts of true Christianity. Christianity means you are following the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe he came and he died and he rose again. That's what Christianity is. And you believe that he's coming back again. You believe that one day you are going to meet him at his judgment seat and you are going to give account of what you did with your life. You are going to explain to him what you did with the gift that he gave to you. That's what Christianity is. If you bear these things in mind, those works will come out of your life naturally. Believing God or obeying God is a result of faith. You cannot obey except you believe. You will struggle endlessly if you are trying to do that which you are not convinced of. I hope you're getting my point. So that's why we don't focus on the outward works first. And if you go and read uh, Paul writing that his uh, ecclesiastical letter in the book of Ephesians, from chapter 1 all the way to somewhere in the middle of chapter 4, around verse 17, he gave the theories, the truths, the theoretical basis for works. Then around verse 17, now switch to the outward manifestations. That is, the fundamental thing is its spiritual truth that real Christianity is. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's why we're reading that about the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And as we go into the teaching of the word of God, from him we receive understanding. Amen. From him we receive insight. Amen. From him we receive direction for our lives. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And therefore we declare as follows. Amen. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. If you believe that, give me another amen. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right, just um, commence this morning. Uh, we finished, uh, well, you know, these things, all these our teachings, they dovetail into one another. You know, one just connects with the other. So, in fact, we don't even have to give a major title for it. We just say the word of the kingdom. We'll be teaching and going on and on and on. From number one to number 350, you know, stuff like that. But sometimes it's just good for packaging purposes. So, we started um, with um, faith foundations for the Christian work. And then, in continuing the same train of thoughts, we went into the grace of the Lord Jesus, and that one had about 10 meetings on it. We finished that last time. When we were finishing that, we explained that um, um, abundant life comes in three levels. Do you remember that? First of all, the spiritual, and that we talked about this is eternal life that they may know you, and that eternal life that is the knowledge of God the Father, the relationship with him, ending that enmity between God and man. All right? That is what that is individually now. That is what eternal life is. That is each person having a relationship with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. That is what abundant life. That is what life is, okay, in Christianity. That is what life is. Each person having a relationship with God and being reconciled to him, receiving the righteousness that comes by faith. That is life. And then we said the second level is having what? A sound mind, that is the second level. You know, you don't walk in ignorance. You don't walk in uh, no darkness. You don't. You have insight into what's going on in life. God helps you to see from above, not from beneath. All right? People walk aimlessly because they don't know what's going on in this life. Solomon calls such people fools. Okay? He wasn't calling them useless. When Jesus said, you don't call somebody a fool. That's a different thing. What he meant by fool was that somebody who is ignorant... Therefore, he makes wrong choices. doesn't know the left from the right. If you see, a lot of people are underdeveloped or not developed. Can I digress b- briefly? The other day I was looking at um, what they teach children in school about development of agriculture. <laughs> and I said, stop lying to children. In fact, I've had to look at those that they give children in secondary school. I said, these are lies. Stop lying to children. It's not good. They said there was a pre-one stage when men were hunter-gatherers. Have you heard that thing before? So, you know, men started as hunter-gatherers. Then they now stumbled into farming. Then they now began to develop. If you believe that thing, you believe the fat lie. They said there was a pre... I've forgotten what they call it. The uh, the something pre-something stage. Eh? Okay, stone stage. uh They use that one, technology. Yeah, yeah, that's them. But I'm talking about agriculture. They have a particular way. But anyway... But they, they overlap. So you have this stone, the stone man stage, <laughs> where there were no tools. Remember that? They just used stone. They tie stone to the end of a stick, and used to be hunting animals. You, you read that before? Now, if you think about it, it's the most stupid thing anybody can ever t- teach to children. That thing is, I don't have time to go into it now, it's illogical. There is no logic to it. If you think about it well, it makes no sense. But we've been taught it so much, we think that is how it is. So from there, they now discovered iron. Where did you discover iron? Now, let me just tell you something. Iron is not discoverable. You cannot... Iron doesn't... Ex- it, see, let me something, explain something to you. Iron does not exist naturally. It exists as an ore. You have to know how to extract the ore. If you came out of a strand of uh, bacterium and you evolved into a member, one day you become a gleaner. 
The one that you became um, a, a warm, all right, you know. Yeah, warm is very good. <laughs> then one day, you know, anyway, along the line, you became a frog. From becoming a frog, you became a um, bisphana. <laughs> okay, fish, then frog. But the one you're a fish, you know, you can go different, you can become a whale, and never become any other thing. You escaped the, the ocean. <laughs> then you now became what now? Or we. Monkey is far now. Ah, Elder John. I can't jump from frog to monkey. Mouse, thank you. You now became a mouse, you know, from mousy things. You became a dog, dog now. Anyway. Oh, see how my body is doing me. Those things are so stupid. You know, it's amazing people can write it down and call themselves scientists. They have no basis in science. None. Zero. They have no basis in science. Now, if you became a monkey, became a chimpanzee, you can never discover iron. It's not possible. Have you ever seen iron somewhere lying on the ground? Iron has to be extracted. You have to take the ore and find a way to pull it out of the ore. Only a person who knows where iron is can show you where it is. Iron may look simple to you. From knowing nothing about metals to bringing out the first, you know, bar of iron or, you know, pipe or whatever it is. It's as difficult as producing a computer. Tell your dog, give the dog 200 million years. He can never find it. That's just how difficult it is. So just to get it into our, out of our minds, that human beings were once hunter-gatherers. It never happened. It never happened. It never happened. From the very beginning, we farmed. Abel was a farmer. Sorry, Cain, I wanted to say. Cain, yeah, both of them actually. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the correction. Cain farmed crops. Abel farmed pasture, you know, like agri- um, livestock. From the, that is, Adam started work today. Children were born shortly after. They were farmers from the beginning. There was never a time they were going around headless. You know what I mean? No brain. Just clobbering anything. <laughs> I haven't read one about the evolution of language. They have different theories. The hmm hmm. No, now don't laugh. Don't laugh. That's how this. No, no, don't laugh. Oh, then they fa- one day the society of linguists linguists had to ban theories. One of the reasons they banned it, they hated the sound. As if men came out of, because they can't understand why Uglina is suddenly speaking. So they think that we, say we started by grunting. They now discovered, <laughs> how can you grunt discover until you reach Urubu language? It's not possible. <laughs> there are two languages you can't stumble into. I said, God teach them to you. I said, God teaches them to you. One is Urubu and the other one is Fufude. Uh, no, no, you can stumble into Mandarin. That is simple now. You can. I hope the Chinese are not watching us. No, the way it goes, but when you hear an Yoruba man talk and a Fulani man talk, you can't stumble into it. They sing. Those are two languages that all they do is sing. The rest of us speak. Those two people sing. They don't. So such things, an angel must have taught it to mankind. The Lord is good. So let's just get that out of our minds that we were primitive. 
That you now say, so he said there were no primitive people. They were sinners. When people have sinned, hmm, God removes sins from them. So they now went downwards. We didn't start at the bottom and start climbing upwards. They went downwards. Don't be deceived into thinking that development has just gone up, 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 up like that. No. This is how mankind has been. Up, down. Then they come up, they go down. Depending on the purpose of God and their iniquity, the two of them interact to bring what is going on at a particular point in time. God has a purpose to increase knowledge. He developed the, the, late, uh, the, the, current, the, the current one we use now. That's the information superhighway. If you were born in the last 20 years, you can't, you, you can't imagine what life was like just 20 years before that. You think it's always been easy to communicate with your cousins in America. Before, the letter is three months to go there and three months to return. All right? Just a few decades ago, you have to have IDD, international something dialing in your house, to be able to use a phone. And then most homes didn't have it because the bill will kill somebody. How many homes had phones anyway? But now, hey, every little, every teenager has a device which you can just click and it's talking to somebody in Australia. And they think it's normal. No, it's not. God had to give us the technology. If you go and see how, one day I was watching documentaries on how this silicon, you know, age came about, how men developed computers and stuff. I said, these things have to be inspired. You don't stumble into things like this. Go to YouTube, look for a, a, any video on how silicon chips are made. You will be, that is, you will marvel, you will wow at technology. You know that human beings could not have developed this spontaneously. To cut things that one micrometer thick, to, to, you know, to etch, you know, stuff that are just one nanometer away from each other, two nanometers. To put a million, you know, connections on some that just, one centimeter by one centimeter, and be able to tell which, one, which direction each one is going. But God's purpose had to be saved. For that reason, he released the understanding. He released the technology at that particular point in time. Now, I was saying something. Don't think that the people before were just bush people. No, what happened is that God blesses people, and he can do it again. He can destroy all our servers, remove the knowledge of technology from us, you come back to this same earth in 50 years' time, there is no, there's no phone anywhere. People think it's impossible. If you know God, you all blink like this. <laughs> all the servers will crash. And right now, the possibility is already there. They know. <laughs> when I read I said this, oh, you don't need that. You don't need that. God will just send one angel. What angel will just do that? <laughs> you know those angels? You know the Bible calls them mighty in what? Strength. One angel will just clap for you. Bam. <laughs> As they clap like this, that's all Google servers will go down. You go, this in a joke. God can do it. He can wipe out. You know, but we see, we get cocky. Human beings get cocky. When I hear Elon Musk and Co. talk sometimes, I just shake my head. Hey, you guys, don't annoy the owner of this thing so. Don't annoy the owner of this. It's just that like he has his own purpose. Though. Otherwise, he will do like this. Bam. You'll be shocked. That is, you'll be telling your children stories. There was a time if I needed information, I just go online. There's no online again. Everything is now downline. And the way it will start, you think it's a joke. When the internet went off for one day, it comes back on. 
They wanted to go back for one week. They wanted to realize they've not seen it in two years. That's what used to happen to human beings. So that my teacher, when I was in secondary school, he told me, he told us in class, no, not class, I was teaching a Bible class somewhere. I was there. He said Solomon had electricity. And I was like, oh God, easy, easy, cool it down. Haba. No, because for me, electricity is a recent thing. Until I watched a program on TV and they dug into thousands of years ago and saw an electric cell. Many of us think that is not new. No. Anyway, how did I get into that? Wisdom, sound mind, thank you. It's not natural. God gives it. So when God wants to punish a people, that's what I'm going to say. The effect of death, they become stupid. That is when they become hunter-gatherers. They will damage the land that they have to get food for one year. Next year, the land is useless. It's judgment. It's judgment. They will farm a plot of land until it becomes barren. It's judgment. They will kill their animals to sacrifice to a God that doesn't exist. They become poor. It's judgment. When God has blessed you, you will come. You will look at what they are doing. And you are wondering, why are you people this stupid? And then they say, there's farming, there's farming. And you say, there's farming? Excuse me. What's all of this here? They say it's yam. Why don't you eat it? There's farming. Ah, the God said no yam. It's judgment. Then there's no food to eat. And you're looking at food all around. God has given them over to a lie. I told you that um, I read in the Henry Ford's book. He went to one, let me not mention this, one of these are West African countries. Children were malnourished. Yet he looked. He saw banana everywhere. Excuse me. How can you be malnourished? When is banana hanging over your head like this? They said, no, maybe they have one God that said they shouldn't touch his tree. You know, some countries just said, hey, we are vegetarian. So you see bush meat, you see cow, everybody's hungry. Meanwhile, the cow is eating. Yeah. It's, see, it's judgment. So when you see those stories, you see some people going around tying bante, you know what they call bante? <laughs> Tiny small loincloth and they are running around in the bush. It's judgment. We didn't all come from there. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You know, when these uh, modern Yimbo people want to lie with us with science, they will now find one primitive set of people inside one jungle, either in the Amazon jungle or somewhere in one, uh, what's the one, the one we found in Nigeria on the Mambila that time? That coppers found about 20 years ago. Yeah, Kuma Hill, something like that here. People will now pick some of those people and want to use them to tell us where we are coming from. No, we, are not, we didn't come from there. Those are people that God judged. And as a result of judgment, they went down. They lost connection to blessings. I hope you're getting my point. And um, sorry to repeat this again. I see a lot of it around on this continent. I do. Uh, one of the Countries with the largest, let's just say amongst the top three, four largest amounts of arable land. So this is our continent. Land that can farm. Yet, counting from the bottom, they are amongst the five poorest countries on the earth. Desert countries are richer than them. Those that don't have natural resources. There are countries without any natural, that is, significant amount of natural resources. Apart from the sun. <laughs> that we all have, that are in the top 10 richest countries in the world, yet the ones with the largest amount of arable land in the world 
They are amongst the low, poorest. You see as we go on, because that wealth, wealth is from inside people, it's not the environment. If God blesses you, if you have the wealth of God in you, you go into a desert to blossom. But you find people on very vast amounts of rich land, full of, of course, that's on the surface, deep minerals, rare earth, what they call rare earth. Things that without them, you can't make jet engines, you can't make mobile phones, you can't make a lot of weapons that people make for warfare on the earth today. Yet, the people are poor. They're not overpopulated. I hope you know overpopulation. I hope you don't believe all those lies. There were too many on this earth. It's not true. Don't be believing all the lies of people that don't believe in God. They lied to you. Now, they told themselves they lie so much. Now, they have a problem with underpopulation. The people don't want to marry. The ones that are married don't want to have children. The men can't have children. The women say, no, I want to... I'm just as important as you are. So I got to build my own career. Not be telling that women can be aeronautical engineers. We know, but why should you want to be? Are you crazy? <laughs> you know, see, this, we are going to talk about it. This pride of life thing is not necessary. A woman can be an aeronautical engineer. We know. There's only one problem. You cannot be, at the same time, be a successful mother. It's hard. So choose one. Nobody is saying you can't be. We just say, look, we make sacrifices. I keep on telling people, it's not a joke. My wife used to work, she was, a, she was in, um, she worked for years in um, uh, internal control in UB. When she gave birth to Akinlu, she left because I told her, listen, I don't have time to be nursing Akinlu. It's true now. So I'm not saying that, you know, sometimes you just look at things around you. Are you getting my point? Okay? I mean, I was working in the university, you know, trying to run, get a ministry started and all of that. I, I know we'll get time. It, it wasn't fight. We just try, okay, how do we rearrange our time? Okay. It, it wasn't quarrel. Can you be an aeronautical engineer? Of course we know. See, when you go to the United States, there are very few women that are neurosurgeons. Not because the women are not smart. But to be a neurosurgeon, there. In fact, Ben Carson has said they should change the program. And the program is too wicked to people. Now, he retired. He said this program is wicked on human beings. So one woman wrote an article, said, we know they do. They said, women... And men are equal. The woman said, I like this inequality as it is. He said, because when we're at home, when I hear crew, crew downstairs, let the husband go and check. I'm not the one that will confront the burglar. He said, which kind of equality is that? He said, if I go out with a man, let him pay. Which kind of equality? He said, I like this inequality. It favors me very well. What am I trying to explain? Let's be careful. This world, they just turn things upside down. So that's why in those places, the women have lost the sense of what it means to be a woman. Normal women love children. They, don't, they consider them a burden. And they try to sell it to everybody all over the world. And we think it's development. And somebody one day say, ah, what are you doing with 5G? You want to sell them. Yeah, you know, there are things statements Christians should not make. You know, if the silly creature wants to have five houses, I just look at people. He said, you know, you have to be able to take them abroad. Sorry, let me just be honest with you. You don't have to go abroad. In case you did not know before, it's not necessary. You're telling Neko? It's not necessary. There's nothing you're looking for abroad. If you can't, please, I'll get to my message in a moment. I'm just, maybe this rain is making me behave like this. Please, I've told people, stop saving money to travel abroad. It doesn't make sense. 
It doesn't make sense. You say, yeah, yeah, you're having savings so that you can take the family on holiday. Listen, my friend, it's not necessary. What did I say? You can't stress yourself so you can remove stress. Yeah, it's called net zero. <laughs> it's net zero. You're not getting anything. Use that money now to enjoy yourself. Because my children are here, so I think their mother and I sit behind their back. They shouldn't hear when I'm preaching. Anyway, let me just say it. There's something I say, Daddy, I want it, and I buy it. I say it's not generosity. It's I don't calculate them. That. <laughs> After take two, three of you have brought for holiday, I know how much it will be. So if you say you need a phone, and I'm going to spend good money on it. You don't understand. I'm a very smart guy. I have discovered that it's easier to make you happy. Yeah, I want it. I will buy you it. I buy it. Not I buy it. I mean, you want it. Yeah, I will buy that one because it's more cheaper than parking everybody on a plane. Then you are going somewhere. I said, just say, I'm going on holiday. Now, see, nothing wrong with it if you have the money. That's what I'm good. It's the saving I'm talking about. You know, see, poor people putting $50,000 aside today. 1,000 aside next month. My, don't be stupid. Take that 100K. Eat it. Tell you know, everybody to the mall. Anything you want to eat, eat. You've just been to Miami. <laughs> it's true, though. So I'm not saying holiday is bad, but make sure you can afford it. I hope you're getting my point. I, just, I mean, I've seen people, I mean, I've seen people that every Christmas, okay, every uh, end of the year, oh, okay, everybody, everybody put them on plane, travel to Europe. And while they are in Europe, they are spending money heavily. What I hate is when poor people are behaving as if they have money. Please, don't let the world just create, you know, then I say that are, the reason why they want to have only two children so they can go on holiday. And you're looking at them like, excuse me? You're looking at people and say, what is, what is your problem? You tell something that is very valuable and exchanging for nonsense thing like I want to be able People have told me this, though. I'm not imagining it, though. The Lord is good. Now, how did I get into all of this? I don't even know. Is it the rain? Live an easy life, amen? I know what I was saying. I know, I know where I was. I know where I was. My wife is looking at me funny. Why are you looking at me like that? So I was saying, abundant life gives us what? A sound mind. We don't believe lies and use it to corrupt our environment. That's what I was saying, all of those things. A sound mind lets you know what is valuable, what is important, okay? How to develop your environment, how to manage your resources. A sound mind helps you to know what you should know exact energy on and what you shouldn't bother with. A sound mind will let you know how to farm and not degrade your land. Do you follow my point? A sound mind will allow you, will help you understand Again, please let me get back to it a bit. Why I say all of this is sometimes, I was still telling my wife, we discussed a few days ago about it. I said, oh, God gave me, personally, me, personally, hmm? I don't know about you, but me. He gave me more sense than money. Yeah, I have more sense than I have money. My sense is plentier than the cash I have. And let me pray for you. May you have sense before you have money. Amen. Because a lot of the needs people have, it's not money they need. What they need is sense. 
That's what I mean by sense. Okay, I'm just using Nigerian English. Wisdom. That's what I meant. When I say sense, I'm just speaking Nigerian pidgin, okay? Pidgin English. What I meant is wisdom. See, a lot of things people stress themselves over. They don't have money. Yeah. Even since I was, even before I married, these people, they were very, they, of course, they, we didn't have money those days, but people actually thought I had, they would come to, can you lend me this amount of money? I'm looking at the person, like, did you know how much you just called just now? Do this. Somebody say, please, can you lend me 20,000? No, no, 20,000 is small now, but then it was huge. I'm looking at, what did you just say? I should lend you 20K. And I'm looking at the person that, thanks for the compliment. Yeah, it's a compliment. You think I have 20,000 there? God gave me a lot of wisdom so that when you saw me, you did not think this man didn't have this kind of money. One day, one guy sat down with me. We were talking. So I was trying to describe a particular part of somewhere in Europe for me. He said, you know when you get to this place, now you know that's, that's first road on the right. That he was describing the building. I was looking at him like this. Hey, boy, why are you talking as if me and you went there? So he looked at me. You've never been to the, I think that was UK, so I, I, I think it was London. You've never been to London? I said, no. He said, I'm going to stop this play. The guy was very serious. That you stop playing. I said, well, I'm not playing. Where resident doctors in those days? I said, London. I don't know where it is on the map. You're talking about being, <laughs> no, I just added that one now. I don't know where it is. Ah, he looked, you know, he calmed down. Then he stops laughing. He said, he apologized to. He said, I always thought, not, he now tell him what he thought of me. Ah, I said, Oga, don't think that kind of thing. I don't know what you are looking at. <laughs> London, I have never been to look for what, where. The guy thought I was one of those, you know. Now, I'm serious. I had, people just looked at me. But why? It's simple wisdom. Because the clothes I wore, I look finer than most of them. Anyway, actually, it's the joy of God radiating from inside me. You know, when you're always complaining about everything, you don't know how ugly you're looking. So can you imagine this kind of government we have? How can they be doing? How can they just peg Naira to the dollar and everything? Balance okay. You just be looking angry. You won't know. Meanwhile, you go use makeup. You go cut your hair. You will use the finest cream, perfume, everything. You won't know why people are running away from you. It's a spiritual thing. Anyway, let's talk about me that time. I was always happy. So, they thought, so it, it felt rich. You understand? When you come near, you say, man, this guy must be... This guy must, must have heavy savings. How much dollars do you have saved up now? Looking like dollar. My dollar is in the spirit. <laughs> yeah, God gave me more wisdom than money. And it, it affected the what I am today because running up and down. In fact, you when my wife first met me, she was afraid that this guy is going to kill the joy in my life. She didn't know that God said, this, this joy that human beings give is not the one this guy is going to give you. It's the joy of the Lord that no man can take away. Why was she, was she afraid? Because I was in Lagos. He said that, uh, he had me say that, why do people go to the beach? What is their problem? What are you looking for there? <laughs> and I meant it. What are you looking for on the beach? I mean, you don't look like you want to swim. You don't like. <laughs> I didn't know why people went to places like that. I was content with sitting in my house. Yes. You know what I've noticed about sitting in your house? It doesn't cost money. <laughs> Doesn't cost money. It doesn't cost money. You see, some people they go to eat one restaurant, very expensive, and you are wishing you'll be able to go. They start wishing for evil things. You hear what I said? 
Neither lost like they lost it. That's lost. Go there, go and look at what they are cooking. Go online, look for the recipe, cook your that plate they are eating for like 10 five, one person. You will use that 10 five to cook for 20 people. People just give themselves, you know, they can't look. I thank God for the wife I married. Some men are suffering. Yeah, some men are suffering. They are suffering. You know they call suffer. Not like they don't have money, but the woman can demand. The guy go live. You know, I, I teach medicals and heart disease, all right? So I use wife and husband mother to teach heart failure. So there's what let me teach you small medicine this morning. For ah, okay. please let me tell you what you know, I've warned you. All this is that you are you are enjoying. If I finish it, I will preach my message. I came with the word of God this morning. Uh-huh. So this is what I explain to students. <laughs> I say that um Okay, let me just tell you something about heart disease. There's all, heart failure means the heart is not pumping enough to meet the demands of the body. That's just what it means, okay? Simply. But there's what we call high output heart failure. In which the heart is actually working hard and is pumping more than enough to meet the demands of a normal body. But there are some problems in some people's body that makes the heart need to pump more than twice usual. Sometimes, up to three times. Just to keep the body going. So the heart really it doesn't have any disease in itself. But it's failing. Not because it's sick, but because the demand is too much. I won't tell you more than that. So one I want to tell you to students, and I teach them about high output husband failure. That some men are working hard. God is giving them enough money to meet normal demands of life. But the woman comes and says that my mates are not wearing this kind of jewelry. So instead of spending 10 k on jewelry, he spends 150000 This is not the kind of school my, my, my friend's children go to. This woman can hardly use the bottom of a bottle to write O. <laughs> Yet, she's there. Analyze what they teach in one school. They don't teach another school. Why? So when they all go to school, they can all meet. Form a social club around an expensive school. Eh? Maybe one day now come and say, Oh, madam, how are you doing? Say, I, I, I didn't see you in church last week. Okay, you know, we're not around. That time we're in Madrid. Okay. Ah, she's suddenly feeling small. So next holiday, tell the husband, say, This country, I don't know where it is going. I just need to go and calm my head down. <laughs> calm your head down. So I said, well, it's okay. Maybe you go and visit your mother in the village. Hello. <laughs> All of it, uh, now pack two children, now disappear. Why? So that when school resumes, she to, she, the, the children are around, but they will go to school one week late. I said, ah, oh, mother, you have not been, oh, sorry, you know, we were not around. That I went in Barcelona. <laughs> Some people are under unnecessary tension, unnecessary stress. As for you young boys that must buy the new phone they release every time, just know that you are getting poor while other people are getting rich. Apple and Samsung is getting rich on your stupidity. 
They bring iPhone 15 you want to buy. You, that's what I call high output. Forget husband and wife. Even high output personal failure. You can't eat properly. You want to buy a car. You're a buffoon. That's all I want to tell you. I won't say more than that. This is on coming back to me. I think I have a lot of foolish people. And God sent them for deliverance. From today, you won't be foolish again. Amen. Those of you say amen, thank you, but I'm sure I'm not talking to you. The people I'm talking to, they know themselves. Because you are not foolish. Amen. But there are some people, God, God trapped. They want to switch off this thing, and they can't switch it off. They've been clicking the off button. This thing go off. You know, some women are angry with me. You know why? Their husband listens to Pastor Van. <laughs> when they sing, they go take, I carry me up. Bring me down like this. But you know what happens? Nothing bad happens to me. I still preach it again. The Lord is good. All right, now. We, have, we are done with that, all right? That's not part of our message. Okay, sound mind, right? Yes, sound mind, okay? Yes, okay, everybody say after me. Say in the name of Jesus. I have a sound mind. I make wise decisions. God has supplied all my needs. I will not create unnecessary needs. In Jesus' name. Yeah, it's important. It's important. It's important because really the, tr- the truth is that, you know, God is very faithful. I'm going to say as we go on. A lot of times I, I found out that what happens is that we deny his blessing. Let me, say like, let me put it like that. If God says, sit down here. For many people, that's what he said. Sit down here. You'll be fine. They say, no. This is not where my mates are sitting. So they get up and go somewhere else and there's no peace. There are people listening to me this morning. God said, go and pray. So that I will be able to lead you back to where you are supposed to be sitting. As, as, we get, as we go on in this series, you will see some of these things that I'm saying. In fact, I'm already into my message. The Lord is good. Okay, so the third level of um, um, abundance, uh, uh, abundant life, yes. The third level is outward. And that's what we are beginning to talk about today. The third level is outward. The third level is in our health. The third level is in our material supplies. The third level is in God gives us food. He gives us drink. He gives us raiment. He takes care of us. When he says the sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. What it means is that you will not be homeless. That's one critical part of it. The person who the sun smites by day, and then night, moon is smiting him. You know why? He's without shelter. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. Sometimes it means he has to walk day and night. That's again what it means. The sun will not smite you by day. You know, in some countries, I think it's I mean, uh, Dubai, and those countries, they, they ban walking at certain hours of the day. You can't walk, 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 that is walk outward, outside. I think between 11 and is it 3 or 4. Why? It's so hot. It's so hot. So they say, okay, no construction at certain times, so go and do it at other times of the day. But there are people who are too poor, they cannot take that break. Every time you give them work, they must work. That is what it means that the sun is smiting you by day. And then the moon is smiting you by night. That's another application of it. You do two jobs. 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Second job, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. If you live past a few few years, I will be surprised. So when God said the sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. I hope you're getting my point. What he was saying is that, look, you have time to take a break. If you work during the day, you are asleep at night. If you have to work 
at night because some of us have to work at night. Not because of fear, not because of um, poverty, not because of uh, too much need, but because it is necessary. There must be policemen on duty at night. There are too many criminals in this earth. Doctors must be up at night. Fire services must be up at night. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, there are people that have to work at night. Okay? So there are so many people that have to work at night. I mean, telecoms people, they have to work at night because some of you, it's midnight, you'll be making your calls. (laughs) They have to keep everything working at night, okay? There are so many services that have to be up at night, so some people must render those services. So for a Christian to do it is not a sin. It doesn't mean that you are under a curse, okay? You have to be a blessing. Some pastors even work at night. They sleep with the phone, you're ring. Pastor, pastor, are you awake? I answered you, ask him whether I'm awake. No, I'm not awake, but you have woken me up. <laughs> you get my point. They have to work at night. But then, what he says that if you have to work at night, then I will give you rest during the day. Do you understand my point? <laughs> but that you work at night, and then during the day again, you have to go to work. It's not, see, we'll get there. There are times you just claim your deliverance by force. You know what I mean by claim deliverance by force? Like now, you are working day and night. You just wake up one day and say, I am not doing it again. You go and pray and use divine wisdom to make yourself not need the extra work. Sometimes God will demand that the house you are living in is too big. The car you are driving is too expensive. And this typically applies to those who live abroad. For those of us in Nigeria, things work slightly differently, the way we run our society, okay? But for those who are there, it's easy for them to switch houses, all right? That like, the house may be yours. You can just flip it, sell it, all right? Buy a smaller one. Sometimes God says, that's what I want you to do. Go and live in a smaller house, much smaller than this. You are needing too much money. You have to service your mortgage. You have to service the car, payments, and all of that. Mm, reduce it. Reduce it, all right, so that you just tell yourself, I must sleep at night. Money must not be so important. Many of us who think that we don't worship money, we don't realize we actually do. So how do I do that? No, we always look at those who want to acquire billions, are the ones worshiping money. No, mammon does not deal in billions. Mammon deals in kobo kobo, small, small money. Mammon is a lord of tiny currency. It's not a lord of billions, so. I wonder God for that one. The God called Mammon is a God of bare necessities. People don't realize it. They think Mammon is when you want to buy a Bentley. Mammon does not know how to drive Bentley. Mammon drives Corolla. Are you getting my point? He drives Keke, thank you. Mammon is a small, but powerful God. That's G-O-D, not small G. Yeah. You know what Mammon does? Just makes you worry about tomorrow. Mama will say that, you know, if you don't have me, next week go rough. So I say, you are going up and down, all you are asking for is just, I'm not looking for too much. I'm not like those politicians. I'm not like all those rich men. I just want this. So you are sweating day and night, saying that if, you, if I don't have this extra 20,000 naira, my life no go balance. Mama smiles and say, that is true. He said, how do you know this, Pastor Banke? Jesus said it. He said, don't worry about what? What you shall eat, what you shall drink, with what will you clothe yourself? It's basic things. That's it called mammon. My study shows that there's a difference between somebody worshipping mammon and, and somebody who's covetous, looking for, like the Bible says, trying to add land to land. Sometimes mammon might progress to that, but what I'm emphasizing it is that many people who have not progressed to that massive level, they think they're not serving mammon. Just because what they are looking for is small, small things. 
Sometimes you just have to deliver yourself. Say, Mammon, leave me. I am going to sleep. You just go back home. You are trying to sleep. Somebody just calls you. Oh, but there's this business. Your eye don't clear. <laughs> Is that me? Oh, boy, you arrived home at 9 o'clock. By the time you had the bath, ate something, you finally landed in that bed by 11. 1 a.m., they are waking you up and you are taking the call. Just tell the person, call me up, call me in the morning. Say, no, 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 I'll call somebody. Say, call somebody, please, now sleep, I won't sleep. Hang the phone. Say, I want to sleep. Hang the phone. Mm. I beg, call somebody else. Oh, uh, uh. Say, if, look, if the job is mine, you will call me at 8 o'clock, watch it. If you don't call me at 8, it's not mine. And I'm not angry. You say, hey. Next day, say, I call you back. Next day, boy, you were calling me at 1 a.m., what happened? No, 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 no need to worry, worry now. I don't call Andrews. I say, okay, that must be. Say, is he doing it? Say, yes, that must be his job. It's not, I'm not the only one God wants to feed. Ah, now let me go chop. What I must eat too now. If it's my own, eh, Ambrose will call you back at 12 and say, ah, guy, you're coming for household. I get a rush. What happened? This is happening in our town. My father said I should come. You by yourself will call me back at 1 o'clock. Why? Because it's my job. Okay, so like I was saying, you just make up your mind that no, the word of God will be fulfilled in my life. I'll deliver myself from unnecessary stress. That's the point we're making with all of that. Amen? All right, let's go on. So that just revealing the things that God has done for us uh, by, as a result of abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it in abundance. So we're now beginning to look at that outward material blessing that God gives. I don't know the exact time to give it yet, but as we go on, um, I'll find something for it. But let's just start teaching. But the emphasis is going to be on material supplies, how God supplies our material needs and what God expects us to do with them and how to be a blessing to the earth upon which we live. Uh, let's start reading from the book of Genesis. I want to first exp- exp- explain a particular principle. Okay. Please do everything I've said up to now. Eh? I won't charge you for it. That's not part of the message. The one you paid for is now we are starting it. Is that okay? So relax. What did I say? Relax, relax. It's now our message is starting. Today's um, text, the declaration of the glory of God, that is the place we declare the glory of God from was Colossians chapter 1. And there's one reason why I also wanted us to do it this morning, and which is the fact that he said that he has transferred us from the domain of darkness, and we have been moved into what? The kingdom of his dear son. The kingdom of his dear son. All right? Now, Let's bear something in mind by reading from the book of Genesis chapter 1. Let's learn something about the garden of God. All right? You read from verse, um, which verse we start now? Chapter 2. After God made the man, the Bible says that the Lord, verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. Beautiful rivers. Why? Because you see what's around it. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havila, where there is gold. 
It says in verse 12, the gold of that land is good. Oh, I like that. You know what it means for the gold to be good? Is now I want to, you can give it your own uh, interpretation, but it's mine. It's not just in luster or the quality now, but mining it is easy. I hope you're getting my point. The gold of that land is good. Like we have oil all over the world. Not everywhere has good oil. You go to Canada, they have a lot of oil, but the land, the oil in that land is not good. They call them tar sands. They don't bother extracting it if international price of crude is below $80. Because the cost of extracting each barrel is like $60 or $70. So now that where oil is about $100, then they go again. Because if it crashes down to like $70, $60, $50, it's pointless. All right? But you go to Saudi Arabia, you come to Nigeria. Nigeria produces oil for less than $20 a barrel. If you're selling at 25, we're making money. The oil in this land is good. Saudi Arabia is like that. They have a lot of oil, and their oil is good. Then there's another thing about the oil that we have in this country. It's very low in sulfur. It's easier to refine. The oil of this land is good. So I said the gold of that land is good. One of the things God will do for you in life is to make whatever blessing he wants to give you good. Amen. I hope you're getting my point. Bear that, that, bear that in mind. It's very important. Bear that in mind. To see something is good. Put too much effort into getting too little out of it. It's not good. So the gold of that land is good. The delium and the onyx stone are there. Then the name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now, the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden that he planted towards Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Then next, he made... The woman, and gave to the man, and in verse 23, the man said, this is now bone of my bones, and it shall be called woman. Now, let's now go down to chapter 3. We won't read everything in the story we're all familiar with. Now, the serpent was more crafty, and then he came, tempted the woman, as God said, and then the woman ate, fell for his temptation, and then the man, he also ate of the tree, the fruit of the tree. In verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. You know the rest of that story. Then God began to judge the situation. So let's just go down to the judgment he passed on Adam. Verse 17 of chapter 3, Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is a ground because of you, until you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread. 
till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you, were, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, there is something I just, um, okay, no, I didn't, I didn't miss it. I just wanted to point out the fact that God gave the, the man the right to eat of any tree that was in the garden. Which verse is that? Please just point me to it quickly. Chapter 2, huh? verse 16. And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden. Yeah, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. Who planted the tree? Who planted the tree? All right, the Lord God himself planted the tree. And he gave to the man, You may eat how? How? Freely, without toil. You may eat freely. That is, God gave abundant supplies to the man in the garden. But then when he sinned, he was was cursed and told to leave the garden and go and start planting his own trees. And this time around, he's going to eat at the cost. And the cost was the sweat of his face. Now, please, why did I read this? To let us know there's what is called the garden that God planted for man. And that when you live, when you're in the garden, God supplies literally all the needs. But then when you are out of the garden, you now have to sweat and eat at the expense of your energy. You have to pay something, and that payment is your stress. And fact, this is how it works. If you study the um, elementary science, you know about energy being converted from one form to another. The truth is that you can convert. Of course, you convert, not you can. You actually do convert energy, spiritual, well, let me use the word soul energy now, life energy. You can convert it to food. That is, you use the sweat of your brow to bring out food out of the earth. It's conversion. That's what is going on. You've converted one form of energy to another. And that's what God does not want us to do. What God wants Christians to do, okay, is that we will use the life energy he has given us to seek the Lord. Then he will use divine energy to supply our needs. I hope you're getting my point. That's divine order. He has given us energy. He has given us life. Now, so what do you do with it? You use it to seek God. That's the only thing. No other thing. Use it to seek the Lord. Then when you have sought him and you have found him, all right, then he will, so don't like, just like he did for Adam, he will plant a tree for you. He will put you in a garden and he will tell you how to keep the garden and he will tell you from here you can eat what? Freely. So you now start eating freely from this energy that he supplied while you continually use the inherent energy inside you to constantly seek the Lord. Because it has to be maintained. The way you get the result is the way you sustain it. See, let me just warn you about the trick of the devil. One of the first, well, not really a trick of the devil, just a, the principle of life. All right? Devil capitalized on it anyway, but I don't want to emphasize that side. Now, one of the first effects of results in your life is distraction from the source of the result. Did you hear what I said? For example, how does the church grow? God said to the apostles, you will focus on, there are two ways the church will grow. is by you paying attention to the ministry of the word and prayer. Or to prayer and the ministry of the word. Let me put it in the, that proper order. Then when the church starts growing, the first thing it tries to do is to pull you away from the 
from prayer and the ministry of the word. It pulls you into administration. It pulls you into counseling. It pulls you into media uh, relations, you know, like uh, it pulls you into looking good, political connections. It takes you away from the prayer and the ministry of the word. So what happened to the church was that the church began to grow. And then the Grecian women, the Grecian widows and the ones from Jerusalem, <laughs> you understand, they were not having, of course, we tend to come with our background, even into Christianity. So they were not having cliques and all of that. So some people had to complain. It's only the Igbo widows they are taking care of. Those, of, those, Igbo, those uh, widows from uh, northern Nigeria, they are not getting anything in this church. <laughs> Do you get that kind of thing? Because I didn't know good church, let's go and start a Yoruba church down the road. You know, well, sometimes we just start funny things like that. That's what creates divisions. So Peter didn't want that to happen. So what did he do? He said, all right, let's solve. Now, what Satan would have loved is Peter, take charge. And there would have been peace. I hope you know that. Peter had the authority. But you know what would have happened as a result? The church would have stopped growing. So now I have a small church. That's not advancing the cause of the gospel, but that's very peaceful. Do you follow what I'm saying? So, but Peter, having been warned by Jesus, all right, he and his uh, colleagues, they said, no, we will not abandon prayer and the ministry of the word and start serving tables. So if we want order, it has to come from amongst the other people. So he brought, of course, you know how that's how deacons were appointed in the church, all right? That's how deacons ended up being appointed. Now, where I'm going is that that is a risk in life, not maintaining the source of your blessing because after a while it starts looking irrelevant. You're so busy, you can't give the same attention you used to give to the word of God. Now when I say attention, you read your Bible, but get up, go to church, get up, go like kingdom word here, come for Bible study, go, shut everything, or even if you're not in town, make sure you're paying attention. That's when the business connections want to talk to you. I won't tell you exactly what to do, but just know that that is the temptation. Now, small digression again. <laughs> Marriage matters. One uh, Nigerian musician, I, f- I found out, I didn't read it in the papers really, I, I found out from some people, that um, he married a second wife. He divorced his first wife, I think, I don't know. So he now made a statement. Somebody was telling me about it. One of my residents also gave me a lift one day, so we're talking about it in the car. And the man said, for the first time in his life, he's expressing true love. Now, many of you know who it is, all right? I didn't read much about it, but somebody just told me about it. Now, I wanted to listen carefully. I explained to that young man who was driving me that day what he meant. He said, wow, he never saw it like that. Was the man lying? He wasn't lying. He wasn't. That's how he felt. Is that okay? But you see, this is a mistake a lot of people make. Now, let me tell you something, young uh, people. A man was made by God, I mean, in a particular way. Hmm? A woman was made by God in a particular way. Okay? Now, when you're very young, maybe you're in your early 20s and all of that, you're not likely to understand what's really very valuable in life yet. But as you grow, you will discover it. And you may not even know deliberately. I mean, like, it's not as if it's just drawn on you one day. But you just notice over time. All right? Anyway, just bear that in mind. So I told the young man that what he's calling true love, let me tell you. Now, the woman he married now is much younger than him. I'm not sure what they told me, but the age gap is quite significant. Maybe like 15 years or more, okay? 
those of you those of you know you read gossip column. Tell me, don't pretend though. You read it all. Who knows? I, I won't say you are the one that told me. Anyway, but who knows? Jokes apart. Nobody. Okay, you are very spiritual. That's nice. All right. You don't watch Big Brother. That's good. Anyway, but the age gap between them is very wide. Now, by, by the time he met this girl, apparently she's a level-headed person. He's already a very big man, a very successful man, very well-to-do. So, I just said, I told the guy, let me tell you what's going on. This guy, this girl adores him and respects him a lot. That is what a man calls love. It's not hugs, it's not kisses. I said, that is the, I said, That's the true love he's seen for the first time. He married this other woman when they were both young. And she, now, I've been warning you wives in this house. If I hear you call your husband, damn it, hurry. God helping me, you will not enter this hall for one year. It, it, just make sure I don't hear it. Too. If you want to do that iniquity, do it downstairs. Because if I hear it, I suppose I hope you are listening to me. And includes talk about it too. <laughs> if it's okay, but, but hurry. Listen. <laughs> She's... She is sitting in the overflow for six months. None of you should tell me. I will not be here. Like they say in the African proverb, that you can't find an old woman in the market and the child whose head, who's on the back, the head will be out of alignment. You know the way it is. The women will come. They will rearrange the head, help you tie the thing very well, balance the neck. I'm the old woman. I'm watching all the necks that are not arranged. I'll be watching all of you how you greet your husband. Let me tell you a small trick. Greet your husband on the phone. Let somebody think you are greeting your father. Mm. Then you are close to salvation. The young the guy, that, I told the, the young man I was talking to, I said, that's the problem. Don't worry. This guy doesn't have more love than the other one. Nothing. It's just that the other one fell for the temptation of life. Like they say in English language, what happens with familiarity? It brings contempt. That's what happens. And there's nobody you are more familiar with than that black man that you married and living in the same house. So everything in life requires discipline. You have to discipline yourself that this will not breed contempt in my own life. Even amongst those of us, you know, men and all of that. I remember one man, he's late now. He's older than the rest of us, quite significantly. Was a nice guy. He might play with everybody, just relate with everybody freely. So I saw young people disrespect him again and again because of his attitude. He's at his free life. So I told myself, no, I will never let this happen. All the days of his life, I showed him all the respect that his age deserved. I will be joking about it. Though. I went to his office. Ah, Oga, <laughs> good morning, sir. He will laugh. Hey, Pastor Banky. He's a very nice guy. But me too, I would laugh. Nah, oh God, well done, sir. I would prostrate in a funny way. You no know, bow to greet him. It's oh God, all correct, sir. Your boy is loyal. We'll turn into a joke. But all my jokes will show that I give him the respect that is necessary. It was deliberate. I did it deliberately. That's how I can remember. I'm, I'm remembering to tell you about it. In the same manner. Yahoo. Do it deliberately to your husband. That you be deliberate about it. It will be like a joke. The man will come home. I get up from where you are sitting. Ah, my husband, have you come home? You kneel down and greet him. Ah, welcome, oh my Lord. <laughs> Let's joke about it. Some people like to do bad joke. 
You tap your husband on the head and say, I was joking. Nonsense. You tap your husband on the head, you were joking. What kind of stupid joke is that? If your husband slaps you and say he was joking, you go like him. And woes you to hot slaps. It was not a joke now. You take bad thing, play. Go and take petrol. You light match near it. Say, we're just joking. You will jokingly enter orthopedic hospital. Plastic surgery unit, bones and plastics. You know why I say that? Because you see, sometimes what happens to people is that you get a result. The temptation in the result is what kills the result. You are supposed to have multiplied. You know, this side goes, it said, be fruitful. Do what? Multiply. What does fruitful mean? You plant one seed, it gives to you. Like they say, if you plant a bushel of wheat, you typically get 50 or corn, 50 out of it. So you are supposed to eat maybe 40, 30 out of them, plant 20. So next time, you are getting more. So that's multiplication. After a while, come on, you started with just one bushel of corn. You have a million bushels at the end of each harvest. That's how life is. But when you're supposed to have multiplied, that is what now happens. People now become so successful, they take the 100 bushels they have now and do part and go back and plant only one bushel. So after a while, they're just on the same spot. They are too busy. Suddenly there's demand. The society needs more money from you. Since you became a big man, everybody is now coming to eat. And you want to show them you are big. Instead of extracting the, this time around, take 50 bushes and go and plant. Distraction comes from planting more. Now, I'm using that marriage as an example. You are supposed to, okay, yet you met your husband doing, you know, this kind of midnight call. Fine. And that's how you married him. But you won't sustain it or cause it to multiply like that. You find look other things that I need to plant. I have to expand this field so that I'll be a very happy person. But the natural tendency is the opposite. That's the opposite. That is natural. It's natural. I read it in I think it was in um, BBC, yeah. BBC, I think about the the surrendered wife or something like that. The woman was not preaching the gospel, but she discovered the truth, and she was not a Christian. At least, they didn't present her as a believer. Said she had been married and divorced once. Then she she remarried after some time. God gave her another husband. Okay, they just say the Christian way. But they're not Christian. I read the BBC. Then she was going the normal way. Then she saw her marriage begin to freeze over. And she replayed the whole thing in her mind again that, God, I'm dead. This is going to happen all over again. So, so one way or other, she got led to read a book or go for a seminar where they talked about it. Now, the way, where I'm going, that little things like this happened to her. She learned how to surrender. So typically, they want to go out, maybe she and her husband. They are going to eat. As they are going out, the man had gotten used to, now just another thing, hey, we're not the marriage seminar, so I'll be quick and get out of it. The man had gotten used to things like, we go to eat where she wants. So he does, he's stopped arguing. That's one thing I noticed about men. Women, please be careful. After a while, they stop arguing with you. Because they feel like I can't be arguing over little things. But they hate the idea that you make those little decisions. It's very annoying. Ask Luca, you know what I'm talking about. All men are like that. Even this elder John that will be doing like, he doesn't, you know, elder John is one of the nicest guys in Enugu. You know. You know now. We have quarreled before on his niceness. Quarrels. Say, warn yourself. Oh. Can't spoil the society with being nice. Person go jam your John. John will repair the person's car. Which kind of things are? 
I have to beg him to stop. But even people like him, don't mind them. Inside their heart. Their heart, they may not know, but their heart knows the truth. So a lot of times, women just stop arguing. So they let you make all the little decisions. You're falling for a satanic trap. Don't let it happen. It's not, he just wants to stop arguing. Every time I argue over every little thing. Should we wear red? The woman said, no, no, red is not good in this kind of weather. You know, the man said, well, what should we wear now? Blue. Ah, blue is the one I like. You wear the blue. Don't I look nice? The guy thinks you look like Jezebel. But what is he going to say? Because you must have it out. So, the, okay, bring the blue now. You wear the blue. After a while, he wakes up and says, my dad, what are you wearing today? He says, white. And you go and say, my husband is very nice. No. He thinks you are stubborn. Just not telling you. Happened to this woman I'm telling you about. She didn't know. She said, but when she finished that seminar, they taught her that thing. So she was taught that thing at the seminar. So what happened is that they want to now go out, she and her husband. Before she, she used to, okay, now let's go to the No, I prefer this one. This one is better. So they entered the car and said, Where are we going? The woman looks at the man and said, Well, I thought you were going to tell us. So the woman, the man said, Okay, I think we should go to this one. The man, the, the, okay, they just discussed about it. Say, Look, whatever you say. So the man said, No, this one is best. Okay, let's go. So she just learns to wait for him to make decisions. And like I teach my wife, it doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. Do you get my point? You just you talk about what? Decision. So there are four restaurants we could pick from. You, you say, okay, this one has its advantages. This one has its advantages. Are all the things. This one, you are, I, I prefer the food here. Then you lay everything down. So, so, MD, where are we going? Do you get my point? The final choice, the boss got to make it. And bosses, listen to me. It doesn't mean you do the one you like. The Bible says, do what? Prefer one another in love. It is your duty to do the preference. But then for the madam, allow him to make the decision. The decision will be in your favor, trust me. Say, but I don't like the restaurants you chose. God said, the other one has salmonella you don't know. You're about to go and eat food poison. But I've saved you from it. And you think that the man doesn't let me eat the kind of thing I like to eat. If you eat the kind of thing you like, go, go to the wilderness. You'll know what happens to when you eat the kind of thing you want to eat. When they give you manna, eat it with joy. Every time, manna, 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 manna. I don't understand. These men are just not reasonable. How can you be eating manna, manna every day? <laughs> God is looking like, don't worry, what do you want? Cucumber, what meat, garlic, eat everything. They will come and visit you in ICU because you ate poison. Why? You wouldn't listen. Anyway, the point I'm making is that the woman said she noticed, she, she learned that she just allowed her husband to be making decisions. Doesn't mean she doesn't have a voice, but final decision. She said she noticed one thing that happened. Suddenly the house became warmer. They are watching TV. Something that stopped happening long ago started happening. They are watching TV. The man will just stretch his hand and hold her hand. They're just sitting at home, just gisting. The man will just, you know, pull her in into his um, embrace. Thank you. Ah, that's a good word. <laughs> this man reads the Bible alone. <laughs> just pull her into his embrace. And then she realized that the, the warmth he was showing was spontaneous. Why? It was coming from deep inside him. And she was the only one that made a, a, a difference. That, like, she was the one that made an adjustment. The man didn't follow her to where she was going, where she was learning. She just put those things in practice. Why? He's wired like that. So that's why I wrote the article. I read it in BBC. I, I didn't read it in a church magazine. Why I use that illustration is that, you know, when fruit starts coming to our lives, the principle of the world, satanic principle, is to go after the root 
the foundation, and we will not know. So the church is growing. They say, apostles, come and start handling tables. The church is growing. Come and start settling, settling the quarrel on how we serve food. They say, no, we will not do that. We will continually give attention to prayer. And what? The ministry of the word. So let's bear that in mind. We get comfortable. But Satan wants to get us out of the place of comfort. So God said, what is your energy for? Remember I talk about grace a lot. Grace means use your energy for tapping into divine life. Remember, as believers, we have life in Christ. Now, what I'm beginning to explain, all right, the main message for today, is that garden principle. What I mean by the garden principle? Now, that garden, God still plants it till today. It does. Now, the garden was not the whole earth. You'll notice, God created everything, but now selected a portion and planted a garden and put a man inside it. Now, what God wants to do for us today again is the same thing. The earth is everywhere. God has created the whole earth. There are different things going on on the earth. Within that, he wants to plant gardens for each of his children and say, look, dwell in this garden. In that garden, I will come and talk to you regularly. In that garden, you will learn about me. In that garden, you will eat freely, not out of toil. Now, this garden we have now as believers is a spiritual garden. It's not going eastward in Eden. No. It may not be a physical place. No, it might not be. It might, well, the geographical location may be part of it, but fundamentally, this garden we have now is spiritual. Bear that in mind. Next point I want us to understand, okay, is that divine supplies is tied. Now, I'm going to switch from using the word garden now, okay, to using the word kingdom, because we read something about kingdom in Colossians chapter 1 a moment, a while ago. Now, on this earth, there are different kingdoms, okay? There are different kingdoms. If you are, now, God has his kingdom, and there's a kingdom of, I'm just going to choose two, the kingdom of the world. There's a kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. If you are walking in the kingdom of God, he puts in your garden. I hope you're getting my point, all right? So you'll be able to overlap it as we go on, all right? Now, I'll just make this statement categorically, then we'll develop it as we go on. Divine abundance is tied to kingdom switch. God has removed, listen, God is not going to release the spirit of divine abundance into the life of the person who is walking in the kingdom of the world. Divine abundance is tied to kingdom switch. You have to switch because we we don't have a choice. Naturally, we are in the kingdom of the world. But we have been delivered into the kingdom of God by our faith in Christ Jesus. But we must deliberately live in that kingdom to be able to explain, experience divine abundance. Please, it's about, I will develop this as we go on. If, I, if you are not getting it clear, you don't worry, it become clear as we go on. I've already established the fact that there are different kingdoms on this earth. Two of us can be in the same city like we are, in the same hall like we are here. But one person is living in the kingdom of God, the other person is living in the kingdom of the world. Now, one major problem God has with us is that we had, most of us Christians, Hardly commit fully to one. We came out of the kingdom of the world, right? We're supposed to be in the kingdom of God. To enter it fully is now where the problem is. Yes, it's not naturally easy. But at least let's be fully committed to trying you know, to enter. Okay? The Bible says that to enter the kingdom, you have to do what? Press. The kingdom suffers, let's use old King James English, suffers what? 
violence. He now said, the violent will take it how? By force. Every man presses into it. That is, the reason why you press is that the world, it's not like the kingdom is hard to get into, but the world keeps attracting you backwards. So you are struggling against the attractive force of the world so as to enter into the kingdom of God. But my emphasis is that it has to be pressed into. You have to, you know, there's something that Jesus said. He said, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, the question is this. Why should they be afraid to collect a blessing? So for him to say, fear not, there was cause for fear. The reason is simple. Read it. Sell all you have, he said, so you can have treasure in heaven. That's why he had to tell them what? Fear not. Don't be afraid to sell it. Don't be afraid to sell it. A man came. He wanted to enter the kingdom. What must I do to get eternal life? Jesus looked at him. Go and sell all you have. What did he do? He left very sad. He wasn't willing to do it. Why? Now, now we can look at him and say, most of us, <laughs> we find it hard to... It's easy for you now because you have only one car. The house you are, the house you are living in is rented. And the bank account is not too big. And all of it is in Naira. So when they say sell all you have, you don't have much to sell. Why can't people just follow God, bro? If you have what the man had, most people will go home and go and pray. People have sold it, of course, you know. People like Paul, they let everything go. Abraham walked out. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just helping us understand the fact that there was an attraction that was preventing the man from just selling and just going. And that's why we have to do what? Press into the kingdom. Why? Because what God actually has promised, what he has prepared for us, is tied to our living in the kingdom. Please, some people hear you halfway and run away. I didn't say living in church. Because I, no, I've, seen, I've even seen preachers tied to church. As if you want to, you want to live for God. Okay, go and park your car here. We want to use it for evangelism. I, I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, because sometimes that's what, and listen, people like me have to fight against certain strongholds in the the minds of people. When you start talking kingdom, living for God, I I invited one of my friends one day, you know, one of our sisters, all right? I said, you know, okay, come, come to kingdom word now and, you know, come and share the word with us. You know, the first thing she told me, you know, Pastor Banky, I have a, you know, she said, I find it very hard to commit. I said, commit to what now? I don't know whether you're getting my point. No, you didn't get it. I said, come and hear the word. He said, you know, it's difficult for me to commit. Commit to what? You know, you know what she thought? This man wants to attract me to his church. Do you get my point? So I'm looking for another member who will commit, who I will. I said, hey, hey, my dear sister, I don't need your commitment at all. In fact, these are the links. Join us without coming physically. Then when you have heard us a few times, if he blesses you, I said, when you come, just sit in the overflow. Don't even come and see where I will see you. Why? Because her experience is that once you join a church, what happens? You join with your head, with your neck, with your arms, your torso, your legs. You must be committed. If pastor says jump, you shout how high? And then the man makes a demand that you must give 10% of your income. No, if you are really committed, you go up to 25%. And if you want to show your full commitment, you bring 100%, I will give you what you need anytime. Please, that's not what I'm preaching. I hope you are getting my point. That is not what I am preaching. I am talking about to the kingdom of God. As we go on, you see. In fact, let me quickly get to it. The kingdom you are living for, each kingdom has distinctive characteristics. We should explain that. Each kingdom does what? 
has distinctive characteristics. How you live is what will show the kingdom you are living in. It's not the church you, which man of God you commit to. Who is your prophet? Who is your father in the Lord? That's not what we're talking about. It's not. It's how you live life every day. Like John told us, what do you find in this world? The number of things. One, the lust of the eyes. Two, the lust of the flesh. And what? The pride of life. If your worth in life is determined by the things you have, you are living in the kingdom of the world. That's all. See, I don't care how much you give to church. I don't care who your father in the Lord is. In fact, you know what I found out? A lot of criminals have fathers in the Lord. Yes. Those people are the ones that are, that are most sonly. I'm trying to get my English right. You know, there's father in the Lord, then there's son in the Lord. Those people can be the most sonly. Is that English good? Okay, do you have a better one for me? Son like. Isn't this better than sonly? That the one that will carry your bag easily, run up and down. There's one guy ahead of thief, criminal. Yet, if if I come now and say, brother, we need to do something, bam, he has dropped the whole money. Not here. I'm just I'm just as an example. Personally, build the whole church, stuff like that. I'm saying, yeah, daddy, daddy, they will daddy you, and their daddy is not just by mouth. Oh. It's financial daddyship. I hope you get my point. <laughs> I mean, so no, and you know the reason why some people do it. You know why? They are looking for protection. There are some people, they just, their service is a prophet. Thank you. They just believe that, look, every man of God, look, <laughs> there are people who have done you evil. You are a pastor, you are now living. They say, pray for us. One man told me he's a man of God. He was kidnapped by kidnappers. He's a rich man too. So, <laughs> so when they found out, he didn't know what was going on when they raided his house and had everybody at gunpoint and they pushed him into a vehicle and took, took him away. So he was like, what is going on? Father, he will not hear them demanding money from his family. So, oh, oh, is, it, is, it, is this what it is about? <laughs> he said, laughing. So he told the boys, you need to give your life to Christ, though. So, anyway, let me not bore you with the details. After some days, he was now let go. But a few more details we won't talk about. But you know, they demanded that before he goes, he prays for them. That's where I'm going. Oh, guy, you can go, but before you go, you must pray. Ah, you came to my house, kidnapped me. You find out along the line that I'm a preacher. I'm time to go now. After you collected some money, you now say I must pray. Okay, he said, All right, let us pray. He told God that God should have mercy on them if they repent. One of them stopped the prayer. I say it's not like that. That he should remove that clause. <laughs> so the boy said, No, that he should remove that, um, that clause. Ah, it's not part of the agreement. You remove that clause. What kind of lawyer? You are preparing an agreement that would say, No, we won't sign that one. So he told them that, no, he can't remove the clause. Yeah, no, it became an argument again. That the clause is the way it works. That you can't continue like this, and the blessing will come. So the clause stays. So they grudgingly let him go. Like They actually wanted him to bless them. So a lot of criminals are roaming the society who are following men of God around because they want that, that blessing they must collect. Man of God, be careful. That's what I, I, there's no, it's difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. You can't, you, can you read the heart of people? You can't read it now. So please, let's get it. I wanted us to understand the issue of how a kingdom is. You know the kingdom by the characteristics. The kingdom you are living in is shown by how you are living. It's shown by, okay, I'll give a few examples. Okay, we mentioned the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and what? The pride of life. That's from 1 um, John chapter 
two. Okay? But, did we open to it? No, we didn't. But let's just continue. But we all know that scripture, don't we? Alright, so let's leave that. So, let's just give an example. But what is the kingdom of God like? Give me the three words. Righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. The joy is not in material things. I hope you're getting my point. The kingdom of the world, loss of the eyes, loss of the flesh, and what? Pride of life. But the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Not in any other thing. What is your peace? Now, you know what I think? I just want to add this one to it. I don't think it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I think it is righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace in the Holy Ghost, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Do you get what I'm going to say here? I think in that Holy Spirit applies to each one of these three characteristics. It's actually righteousness, peace, and joy. All in the Holy Spirit. Do you get my point? Now, what do I mean by that? So, how am I made righteous? I'm made righteous by faith in Christ Jesus. I do my good works because you have to be careful. The Bible has both positional righteousness, which we get by faith, and no outworked righteousness. The outworking of the righteousness of God in your life. So I do good works, listen to this, sincerely. Not because I'm trying to get something from God, but because I have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. Say so one of the characteristics of the kingdom of God. Next, peace. Peace comes from different things. You want to sleep at night? Have they locked the doors? Yes. We have a very good neighborhood watch here. All right? We have a very powerful police post just down the road. There's a military checkpoint down there. There can't be any trouble. Do you get the point? That's a source of what? Peace. But that's not peace in the Holy Ghost. You are getting it. Where does peace come from? I look into my bank account. Naira is exchanging for 950, 1,000. It doesn't matter. All my money is in dollars anyway. That is what they call what? Peace in the foreign currency. (laughs) Do you follow my point? You know, the other day, one of, of course, you know our brother, who's now, who's the attorney general of Enugu. So there's a joke we, we crack all the time when I see him. But that day, when he, when, he, when he was appointed attorney general, so we're just making a joke about, of course, that so we're, now we're going to look for trouble in town. He said, you know what we're going to do now? We'll just park in the center of the road and block the road. And everybody's honey, honey, we warn them, say, warn yourself. Oh, do you know the attorney general of this state? If you trouble me now, I call him. Of course, we're joking about it, all right? We will never do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're just joking. But where I'm going is this. Do you know a lot of people, connections they have is the reason why they do anything they like. A lot of people, their peace comes from what? Human connections. Not peace in the Holy Spirit. Like just by the way, if you are like that, let me just give you the word of God. It's a blessing. No? You will soon have trouble that even the president cannot de- deliver you from. Thank you for, <laughs> I'm telling you. Now, for your information, I hope you know it's a blessing. Because when you get it early in life, you, start, you will know how to look up to God. You know how to look up to God. The other day, my wife did something. Incidentally, this is our same brother, you know, was in a position that you could have. And I said, did you call him? She said, no. That was some time ago. I said, why? I said, I prayed about it. And I got the point. I might not want teaching faith. So somebody now wants to operate faith. I'll now be saying, no, God forbid. I, I got the point. I said, okay. 
Said this one, yeah, I know I know somebody there, but you see everything that would depend on my me knowing somebody. Look, in this life, God has helped me in little, at least a bit. I know people in many places. But God has taught me early in life. And through experience, not as if I read the scripture and I found in the Bible. Listen, <laughs> there are things you cannot hear until you pass through some things. So God has helped me know that, oh boy, leave that thing. You know people means nothing. They will, they will want to help. They will not be able to help you. So I've learned in life, pray. I've learned in life, pray. So what, one of the things that mark out the kingdom of God is that our peace is in what? The Holy Spirit. It's not in our connections. It's not in what we have. So when we are going to sleep at night, it's not because the neighborhood watch is good and there's a, uh, there's a, there's a police um, post. Just say, the angels of God, they surround me. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, in peace we lie, lie down and sleep. For the Lord alone makes me dwell in safety. And of course, joy in the Holy Spirit. Why am I happy? Is it because of what I have achieved in life? No. Now, these are the things that mark the kingdom of God. That's the point I'm making. These are the things that do what? Mark the kingdom of God. Now, so how you are living is what determines the, the kingdom you are living in. Let me quickly add this one to it. Next point. You deliberately, no, I think I said it earlier. I just want to repeat it. You deliberately choose. We're talking about pressing. You press hard. You will tell yourself, I'm going to do that today. God, I want to live in the kingdom. The fact that you have given your life to Christ does not mean you are living in the kingdom. Now you, are, you have seen the kingdom. You know, Jesus used a word, see? I use another word. Enter. Thank you. Except a man be born again, he cannot see. I hope you're getting my point. Except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot what? Enter. There's a difference between seeing and entering. You cannot enter without seeing. But you can see and not enter. Did you hear that? You cannot enter without seeing, but you may see and not enter. Because entrance requires sacrifice. Entrance requires letting go of certain things. Entrance requires, like we said, sell all you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. And then the man walked away. He has sinned. But the cost of entrance, he couldn't pay it. Please, I hope you are getting my point. So, please bear this in mind, which is another important point. You must make up your mind, I want to live in this kingdom. In a moment, I will explain some things about um, what, how your life manifests the kingdom you are living in. We've already mentioned some characters of that kingdom itself, but how your own life manifests, how you will know the kingdom you are living in. But before I, 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 I say that, let me make my last point before I now get to this one. That was the last point I plan to make for today. The, a major problem, if not the major problem, with divine supplies, I mentioned it earlier though, I just need to reiterate it, is that people want to live in the kingdom of the world, and have El Shaddai take care of them. Did you hear what I said? And James said it doesn't work like that. They want to live in the kingdom of the world and have El Shaddai take care of them. It doesn't work. So he said, you have not because you do not ask. He said, but when you do ask, you ask wrongly. What does he call asking wrongly? You want to spend it on Give me the word. Your loss, okay, or your pleasures. 
The three things in the world. What was James saying? If you look at it from John's perspective, he said that you are asking God to take care of the things in the world. James said that's why you don't receive. Can you see that? And that's a problem. You know what I found out? I'll get back to the main point, the last point I said I was going to get back into in a moment. But let me just say this. For me, it's so sad. I see pastors do it. I told myself I will not do it. Of course, I don't need to tell myself I will not do it. The Lord will not even let me do it. You know what I found out? Now, this is very, very wrong in Christianity. I'm not... The church, you have testimonies, testimonies, testimonies. Then Papa prayed. Then this one happened. And then I, I keep on looking at the testimonies. And I said, this is how you, that's why people gather there. I see churches a lot spending all their energy trying to force El Shaddai to meet material, worldly needs. And when it happens, whichever way, we celebrate it as if that, result, that church they are getting results. I don't know whether you were able to get what I'm trying to say. Last time I was in, I think this was in Sokoto. Yeah, I was a pastor courage. So it went somewhere. One guy's uh, shop. So my pastor courage told me that this guy used to be in their church. He attended for some time, like a year or so, and then he left. Before he left, he told Pastor Corey why he was leaving. He said he's not seeing people break through in this place. Yeah, that's what he told him. I can't remember what Pastor Corey told me. He told, he told the guy, but I know if, he's, if I'm the one here, I won't just tell you to go. I will drive you out. I'm sorry, I just don't have the time. My friend, get out. Of course, you and I. Oh, by the way, when I went to that his uh, business, it was obvious. One, he hadn't broken through. And two, he wasn't going to do it in a long time. I know what I'm telling you. I don't want to go into details. When I saw the way he comported himself, the way he responded to us when we came, the way he comported himself, the way, when I saw the environment, I said, this guy ain't going to break through in a very long time. He was looking for shortcuts to break through in the midst of his irresponsibility. So he went to a church looking for who we do. And then many of us will now give him oil. You know, let me tell you. I, it's sad we have to say this, but it's true. We, we will not tell him that he's a problem. We'll give him oil to break. Break anything that. Um, they will come, they will come and speak by the anointing that is upon me. If I be a man of God. No, it's the way we walk when we want to be doing those Lying to people things. We'll sprinkle the place, do everything. They must plant a seed. After you have sprinkled oil, you have, of course, you have to leave water with them. One gallon of water is like, uh, how much do they sell it now? Those of you who go to such places. <laughs> there was one. Who told me the story? The, the woman goes to my friend. My friend is a pastor of a church. The, man goes to the, 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 <laughs> the lady goes to my friend's church. He will call my friend to pastor pray. Please, pastor pray. They now travel all the way to Abuja to go and meet one big prophetess. You know, this kind of prophet that lands in church in an S-class. You know, with security men and everything around her. And begins to, when they finish praying, they saw this. What, this is what you want to do. This is what God is going to do in your life. To do it, you, you need to anoint yourself for seven weeks with these bottles. Each bottle is like 21,000 or something like that. So now I say, you need to buy maybe seven bottles. Now I say, ah, I don't have amount of money. Please, can I buy three? She was going to the embassy, yes. They need to get a visa. 
So they said, no, it's seven. Mama prescribed though. So she bought, um, she said she didn't have money for all seven. And then she bought three or so. Heavy money, maybe like 30, 20 something thousand or 30k for one. So after I bought it, so you anoint yourself like this, like this. So she did. So she went to the embassy. And <laughs> let's not make the story long. They denied her the visa and drove her out of the embassy. All right? So she went back to those people, to, to the prayer people, that it didn't work. They said, how many bucks did you buy yourself for? She said, but we told you to buy yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, this really happened. They're like, well, it's not our fault. The prophet said, take seven bottles. That was the prescription. You bought three. If a doctor says, take seven tablets, and you, 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 you bought only three tablets, how can you be well? You're not, you're not blaming the doctor. Oh, did I, did I mention the fact that to see the prophetess you paid? Oh, 300. Oh, you, you know the prophetess? <laughs> you pay money to see the prophetess. Heavy pepper. Prophetess now said, this is the number of bottles you will buy. She didn't buy the whole bottle. She did not get the visa. She now came back and said, the, and of course, they said it was her fault because they said, do seven bottles, you did three bottles. Sorry, who, now, who do you now want to hold responsible so you can go? That was when, after she left, her eye can't clear. The eye clear well, well. You can't call my friend and say, Pastor, I have been jobbed. <laughs> I have been defrauded. Pastor said, oh, why are you now calling me? Me that have been with you since, have I seen your 200,000 there? You never come say, man of God, take you. You go give prophetess. It's a sad thing. Churches do it, and I think it's very sad. Because, now, for your information, there are a lot of, ignorant and confused people in the environment. And what we end up doing is taking advantage of them. Why? We are telling them that El Shaddai meets the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. And we'll be giving testimonies. And we pray prayers focused on those things. What we are doing is that we are leading people away from the kingdom of God. We are entrenching them by our spiritual gymnastics in the kingdom of the world. Why don't we have testimonies of those who deny the world and decide to follow the Lord? Why is our testimony always, I needed 100,000 naira, I got 200,000 naira. After Papa finished prophesying, after that dangerous night of prayer, 10 million naira I keep. Have you noticed, most of our testimonies are the same thing, things of the world. The message I want to emphasize this morning, we're talking about divine abundance in this short series. Then how long it's going to last. Is that the message I want to emphasize is the fact that the El Shaddai God, our Heavenly Father, is not to be used to meet the problem, solve the problems of the kingdom of the world. His supplies are tied to the work in the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said it like this. Shout it out loud with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every other thing shall be added. If I shall quote that scripture first to show you <laughs> that Jesus said it. Every other thing being added is tied to a walk in the kingdom. Did you hear what I said? It's not, it's not how, see, Christianity, let me tell you something, you know, I, I, our article is not like other gods. Please go and read it again. 
He is not like other gods. Let me tell you about other gods. I wrote in that article, in that teaching. Other gods is like, you do what you like, I meet your needs. But I, we bargain, we bargain, like now. I'm Ogun, alright? So you bring me sacrifice of dogs and this and that and all of that. And I protect you when you are going to battle. At least in Western Nigeria, Ogun does a few jobs. When they are going to war, he's the god of war. Yeah, for them. Because the weapons of war are metal, yeah. Then cars, if you get to some of the towns, at least this I have witnessed on TV when I was um, young, you know, in those states then. At motor parks, during the Ogun Festival, they usually they do a lot of at motor parks. Why? Public transport operators use vehicles. So they worship Ogun for safety when they are traveling. They do that. Last time I went to Ondo Town, I think, I still saw a sacrifice like that offered. Okay? They do it. Now, you know this Ogun really doesn't care about whose wife you take. He really doesn't care. How you live your life, it doesn't bother him. As long as you bring what? His sacrifices. He has a lot of them. It includes palm wine. Yeah. Because the guy used to drink. So how do you know the kingdom you are living in? Please, let me quickly add this one up to it and then we'll close. How do you know the kingdom you are living in? I thought about it. I can only put about three things down, even though they are expanded. They have sub-points. Number one, the purpose for which you live, the purpose of your life. A lot of us have, now, for your information, most of us have very good things in our hearts. But actually, it's a sign that we're not living for the kingdom of God. One man said, I was trying to explain something. So all I want in this life is to provide for my wife and my children. Now, that is living in the kingdom of the world. As good as it sounds, that's a worldly thought process. Yeah. So one person said, all I just want is to be able to afford a house of my own. Have regular income and have a car. That's you are living in the kingdom of this world. Now I need to remind us, many people have been entrapped into good things and away from the kingdom of God. Be very careful of all these uh, liberators who want to liberate these people, fighting for democracy and all of that. You can't spend your life fighting for democracy. I hope you know democracy is not the kingdom of God. That is why I've told all of our pastors that will turn the pulpit to democratic fights. No, uh, which word am I? People should teach me English now. You know, when you speak a lot, you, you need more English than is commonly available. Anyway, you turn your pulpit to National Democratic Coalition pulpit. They used to be what they called Nadeko those days. It's ungodly. What did I say? It's ungodly. I won't speak much about that because you distract me. What you are living for is the first sign of which kingdom you are living in. Is the reason why Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Peter wanted him to live a good life, a comfortable life. That's when I hear Christians say, talk all the time. Now, let's just talk briefly about this. Nigeria is a country. It's just another country, all right? We are Nigerian. That's why we talk about Nigeria a lot. I hope you know it is not by any means the worst country on this earth. It's not even near the worst. In fact, most of the lies, the, the things you read, they are not even telling you. Somebody tell me that uh, it's better to live in Syria than live in Nigeria. Are you drunk? <laughs> you know, this is our country. This country is interesting. You know? 
People can abuse this country from now till tomorrow. But do you know it's a very free country? When I see the way people insult the head of state, insult their governor, they will even abuse the chief of army staff. <laughs> I said, now, nah, wow. I said, the country is not free. In Saudi Arabia, just tell Mohammed bin Salman that he doesn't know what he's doing. Say it. They don't just say more than that. Though. One man, the daddy, you must have seen the video. Some video flying and a joke. The guy was just going around. He said, he came to a car shop. Who, who owns this car shop? Are you the owner? The girl said, no. Took a bundle of notes. Go and drink coffee. That's that money. He said, uh, who's the owner? You are the owner of this shop. Well, I want the most expensive car. Two men were going around carrying plenty money. He said, okay, I want this car. I want this car. Do you know he went to jail for that joke? Oh, and to use mouth is open. Yeah, that's kit that he did. He went to prison for it. They said he's feeding the Western narrative of the way Arab men behave. For that alone, the locks is bought in prison. I don't know. They must have released him after some time. A Nigerian woman went to, is it which country now? She just talked about how badly they were treated, maybe when waiting on the queue. They didn't let her leave. You don't get what I'm trying to say. You know, you're just talking on Facebook. I've been around for some time. This hotel is so terrible. They didn't even treat us well. That's it. She couldn't leave. They charged her to court. She went to prison. Oh. <laughs> you see, you know, Nigerians don't get the kind of freedom they have. You will abuse the president from morning till night. Ah, they abuse Buhari, Buhari, abuse Buhari. You know, they didn't answer anybody. They called, ah, they, they, take the man's name, twist it. Go to Saudi and do it. Anyway, don't worry, you won't even do it. And for your information, they don't care whether you're a Saudi citizen or a Nigerian citizen. And one guy for criticizing them regularly disappeared. No, not one. I look at what people, when I see Nigerians complain, I say, you don't know the kind of freedom God has given you. When I say freedom, I mean freedom. Just get up, put your akara. You know, that thing is for frying akara. You put it at the junction there, on the sidewalk, and be frying and selling. Everybody just walks past you. You, you, you carry up, put it at the junction in New York. Before you settle down, one policeman, I'm not kidding. A policeman has walked up to you. Where's your permit for trading? trading you want to trade in food on the streets? For what? He said, I'm not on. You move out the side, he doesn't care. You are selling food. Where's the permit? The local government authority must give you a permit. Yet we spend all the time, day and night, insulting the country that God has given us. What we are living for. Peter came to Jesus. This bad thing will not happen to you. You know what Jesus said? Get behind me, Satan. When people are always advising you on how to make your life comfortable, they are telling you, live in the world. That's number one point. And of course, what you live for, it shows in how you spend your resources. I did not say money. There's a reason why I didn't say money. Money is part of it. I use the word resources. Because resources... It's not only money that we can call resources. Your intellectual resources, your skills, your abilities, and of course, your money. Let me tell you one reason why many people don't, their prayers don't get answered. And many pastors misunderstand this, so they teach them wrongly. They tell you because you did not give. No, it's not because you didn't give. It's not the giving as, okay, go and sow a seed so that it will not germinate. No. But you know a lot of people, they don't give 
because they don't have faith in the gospel. See, and they want the gospel to bless them. See, if you really believe that the gospel is the answer, let me tell you something. Kingdom World Ministries, God has been good to us financially. Alright? God has been good. God has been very, very good. I, you, you know, people don't know. What I, the way I preach now is the way I've always preached. It's what I've believed for a very long time. So it's not because uh, you talk like, one man actually said it. You, you, uh, where's Victor? You're the one they told. Uh, Pastor Bank is talking like this because he doesn't need money. So I said, what, what does that mean? It means that what, the way they are talking is because they need money. So I told him, no need to argue. At least they have admitted it, that this our talk is need-driven. It's not truth-driven. Okay? But it's not because Kingdom doesn't have money that preach like this. There have been our former place. I remember one. It happened only once. Was supposed to pay them. I personally didn't have the money. I would have paid. Ministry account didn't have any money. I that I was praying and praying until God said. Well, I know it was the Holy Spirit later. That this one day you are worried like this. If God sends the money tomorrow, how will you feel? I said I will feel very bad. I said then stop worrying now so that you will not feel bad. And do you know what happened? They tried the next day. One brother sent us 800,000. All I did was 300,000. If you know how relieved I was, that I was not, I repented of worry before the money came. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Now, where I'm going with this whole talk is that, so don't think that a time has never, there has never been a time that um, Kingdom already didn't need money. That's why I talk the way I do. No. A lot of people follow me because they are very stingy people. Do you know that? Yes. Yeah, they do. And Pastor Bank said you don't need to give so that you can receive. Not because they don't, they just that they don't want to give. It's not about receiving. It's not a receiving matter. Pastor Bank said that you don't have to tithe. It's not because of truth. You know why they say it? They can't part with money. And somebody has packed guilt on their heart. They found freedom with me. But they did not find the freedom, the liberty that makes people generous. No, they didn't find it. They found the liberty to remain as self-centered as possible. Just by the way, let's get it clear. If you hold on to my teaching on tithing and first fruit and uh, seed or no seed, but you are not the generous giver, I'm not the one you are listening to. I'm not. You are listening to yourself. Or daddy freeze. Because I preach that the New Testament tither is who? The cheerful and the generous giver. I'm happy you all lent it. I was going to give a testimony, and for me, it was a testimony that is concerning us here. He went to preach in one NYC camp somewhere up north. Not, I, I don't, whether it's Sokuto or Meduguri, somewhere. So when they introduced him, NYC camp. Of course, he introduced him everything. He preached and he was leaving. So somebody ran after him and said, Sir, I'm so so and so and so. I came from Enugu. Pastor Bangi talks a lot about you. Oh, so you're the person. So as he was leaving, the person begged me, Please, sir, just a moment. The person had packed small money. How much money does a copper have? Not much. So it was little money. But he quickly put it in his hand and said, Sir, please accept this from us. God bless you, sir. He said, Pastor Banke taught this one. That's what I'm telling you. Well, he said he told himself, this one was taught by Pastor Banke truly. One of the things that annoy me most uh, in this, like, you may not know, ah, God bless you, sir, God bless you, sir, God bless you, sir, God bless you, sir, you know. I'm looking at this stingy goat. 
No, you know, there's sheep and there's goat, so don't, I'm not abusing anybody. <laughs> he's just happy that now he can eat his money all by himself. And he's saying, I'm the one that taught him. No! It's not me. It's not me, oh. It's not me. The Lord is good. Why did I say all of this? The kingdom you are living for. You can't tell me you are living for the kingdom of God. Your money is not advancing its course. It's not possible. So many people say they don't have faith. God said, you know the truth? They don't receive from God. He said you don't have faith. You are pretending. You actually don't have faith. He said, what do you mean I don't have faith? Give me your bank account transaction the last six months. Let's see it. Where did this one go to? Change your phone. Where did this one go to? Pay rent. Where did this one go to? Buy food. Where did this one go to? Uh, this one, okay, you give your cousin money here. Okay, then you have spent a total of, let's say, two million naira. Just take, take a figure. Show me how much of it went to preaching the gospel. Or honoring a preacher of the gospel. Show me. You cannot even show me 20,000 naira. And you come to church. Oh, Father, we want, shut up. You are not worshiping me. They will not hide behind the Pastor Bank said, is not compulsory. It is not compulsory. But it's because of people like you, it had to become compulsory. <laughs> it, it had to be now. <laughs> you, you, you think it's every man of God that has my, the discipline some of us have? I mean, the, I'm being, see, I'm being honest with you. That is, that teaching hmm, on Titan that, that, that came out that, it was not in the church at the beginning. You read your Bible. It's not there. You see the whole of the writings of the, the, the church. It was not there. The other day I heard uh, this guy's uh, grandfather who was preaching. He said that if you don't tithe, you will go to hell. It's not true. No non-tithe will make heaven. Have you heard that thing before? Okay, you have not heard it. These two guys have heard it. I hope you know it's not true. A doctrine cannot be that important. And then the New Testament just dismisses as it is not there. So that's one of the issues I have with the doctrine. If it was that important, then it's very irresponsible on the part of Paul, very irresponsible on the part of James, very irresponsible on the part of Peter, and most certainly irresponsible on the part of John for not warning us. Let's not even call Holy Spirit out of respect. Something cannot be that important. Which reference in the law and the prophets is plenty. And nobody was careful to reiterate it for us so that we will not forget. Yet, the whole of Second Corinthians chapter 8, the whole of Second Corinthians chapter 9, towards the end of First Timothy chapter 6, and of course, let's not even talk about the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. All over the place, they say it's in Matthew, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, I say it's not there. I say it's not there. He said, here, I said, come on, read it in any simple Bible. It was any story. He was comparing two incidences. Here, there, two. Yet, how can it be that important? Enough to send you to hell, to make you miss the kingdom of God. And all these powerful men, for one reason that did not know about it, I'll tell you the truth, it is not that important. Only the spirit of it exists, which I have taught again and again. The spirit of tithing is what? Being a cheerful and generous giver. Your money must preach the gospel. 
it must honor the preachers of the gospel. It must help the poor. It must help the widows of your household. Go and read in my book, How to Give to God, and under How to Work for, for God. I talked about it. That's the spirit behind it. So if you are the type that I chop your money from beginning to the end all by yourself, you are not listening to me. But then preachers, after they are suffered, they are to make laws. And they use their authority. Unfortunately, twisted a few scriptures. It started initially like, and I can do that, nothing wrong with it. If you are, if you are, you are not a member of this ministry, if you are not giving us 10% of your income. You know, I hope you know it's not ungodly. Yeah. It's the terms and conditions of membership. Is it by force? If you cannot do it, you are not a member. I didn't say you can't come. I just said what? You're not a member. Maybe you ask the other member, what are you gaining? He said, don't mind him. Nothing more than the rest of you are gaining. He said, but when we come for bread, for workers meeting, will they chop my money and uh, bread and tea and things like that? He said, that's all. He said, I can buy my money at home. Don't worry. <laughs> what are you gaining? The pastor said he prays for us, but you know, we're never there. So we don't know. <laughs> So the point I'm making is that I can make that rule. Do you get my point? And you cannot tell me it's wrong. You can go and be a member of another ministry. But little by little, that's one thing about things like that. You creep into a slippery slope. You start falling over little by little. Then next you bring a scripture. Why did I choose 10%? I show you a few scriptures. Then one guy who was not paying attention, he leaves, goes to his own church, and says, true Christians... Contribute 10% to their church. Now, that's one thing about that doctor that's funny. Because they keep on insisting that if you are tithing, you must go to, it should say to where? What did they now say? To where you are being fed. That is not in the Bible anyway. Let's not even argue whether uh, it is not there anyway. Anywhere. He said, what about the storehouse? No, no, storehouse was a charity house, not where you are being fed. What he called the storehouse in the Bible is where the poor, the strangers, and also the priests get from. Those who put in the storehouse don't take from it. So the logic of it's where you are being fed from, it, does, it has no basis in scripture. So where is your storehouse? It's where you need rice, where you are going to take. Where is your storehouse? That is not what the Bible is saying. Where is the storehouse in the Bible? When the poor needs rice, that's where they go to take. Those who take to the storehouse don't go back there. They are too wealthy. They are too blessed to go there. So that logic is totally upside down. And that's the problem with legalism. You will argue from now till everybody is sore in the mouth. But if the spirit is right, you don't need all of that. If the spirit is right, we don't need all of that. Let me sit on this issue so I can close. The kingdom you are living in is shown by what you are trying to advance. You can't say you are living in the kingdom of God, you are not trying to advance it. You can't say you are living in the kingdom of God. What are you doing in any way to promote it? Some people pr- promote their town union and be a frank cause more than they promote the gospel. You know, there are some pastors who don't know whether they are. You know, that, you know I've told you before about uh, be a frank prophet. Yeah, some people are just be a frank prophet. Shame on them. I, I said that with uh, careful inspiration. Shame on you. They are all over the place, though. And I've never seen a House of prophets, actually. You know what I mean? Like tribal prophets from the north. I never seen. (laughs) 
But I have seen them in Western Nigeria too. I saw them on YouTube and I couldn't believe it. When they were telling me about <laughs> what God told you to do, I was like, ah, God spoke to that one too. <laughs> I couldn't believe They're all over the place. This is in Lagos. I went to church. My pastor had to come to church to come and repent. He said, guys, I had become a Nadeko prophet. If you are a Biafran prophet, eh, you can only be preaching the kingdom of God. What are you supposed to be preaching? Christ, the kingdom of God. You should turn around and tell the, they say to the cities of Zion, behold your God. If indeed you believe that, okay, everybody here is a Jew, say, now, Judaism is over. What are we supposed to do? Follow Christ Jesus. That's what you are supposed to be preaching. You cannot be an APC pastor. You, ah, there are not even many. APC pastors are very few. The one that is plenty is what? Labor Party Pastor. If you're a Labor Party Pastor, shame on you too. If you're a PDP Pastor, you let's even leave you <laughs> Because that one, those who never get pastors, they never get. <laughs> Nonsense. Let's leave all these things. You can't come to church and be preaching. I see all of them catch fire all the time on democracy matters. That's not, I hope you know the kingdom of God and democracy are not the same thing. Democracy is, 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 is just a worldly kingdom. So you can't come to church and preach democracy. The kingdom you are living in is shown by what you are trying to advance. Let me just finish this point and then we're out of here. The purpose you are living for, number two, I'll have to develop this next time so that I will not spend too much time. So let me just rush through it and we'll start from here next time. Number two, the principles you live by. What you promote and defend is part of the principles you live by. If you are there promoting LGBT agenda, you know you are going to hellfire. I don't need to say more than that. Do I need to? That one, you are working directly for the devil. Number three, I've mentioned purpose you live for. Number two, principles you live by. I'm not developing that further for because of time. Three, what you value most. That is, who are your brethren? If your village man is more of your brother than your Christian brother, you are not living in the kingdom. What do you value the most? Who are your friends? David said, the godly ones of this earth, they are my true heroes. Every time you want to talk business, the principles of Dangote and Elon Musk and Bill Gates are the ones you just hold in high esteem. You know, I use people as examples here and there. So I'm not saying you don't mention this. You know me, I do that. But be careful for you to know who's truly rich. Who you want your children to be like. Many of us who can say we believe the New Testament. But if God says, who do you want your children to be like? Bill Gates or Apostle Paul? <laughs> you go look like, God, Apostle Paul has done the work now. So, <laughs> Meanwhile, what is worrying us is the is love of money. And we're not living in this kingdom. Who do you value the most? What do you value the most? Who is your real family? Some one guy said one day, he said, I was first from this village before I became a Christian. It's okay, but you're not in the kingdom of God. We want to say that, look, one man said one day, they said, what about tithing? He said, you can't tell me you are tithing, your brother has not eaten. You're not in the kingdom of God. Now, you know my issue is not about tithes now. But it was trying to say that you have to settle your village, your brothers first, before you have time to give money to church. You are not living in the kingdom. 
We'll talk about money as we go on. You, you don't give to God out of change. Giving for the advancement of the gospel is priority. It's not something you do after you have eaten. There are missionaries here. I commit this amount of money to them monthly. Do it. This is the church I go to. I commit this amount of money to do it, preaching. Do it. You know, we say here all the time that we're on 20-something radio station. Now we run our own radio station, you know. Um, the Kingdom World Radio is an online radio station. But it runs 24 hours. We pay the people that host it and all of that. Some people say, oh, this means is very, very nice, very, very nice. Let me tell you how wicked you are. If you have never given money to any of this, just know that you, are, you woke up in the morning. Today, I, let me go and look for wickedness. Pastor, but you know I don't have to. But you eat too. Because anybody that's not eaten the last one year is dead. Even if you are Hindu. Nonsense. <laughs> the Lord is good. What, who do you value? What do you value the most? I have to go over this again. All right? These principles, I thought about this a little three I could come, from, come up with. There are some things under them. Okay? Which will develop. I feel like you saw I was explaining the purpose of your life. We'll, come, we'll have to go over this again. Because I just realized that we don't have um, enough time today to delve into that in details. However, let me repeat this. You can't talk about divine abundance the work or the work of El Shaddai in your life, except you are living in the kingdom. You can't. What we are preaching is for kingdom dwellers. When we say, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory, Paul said it to those who have cooperated with him in the advancement of the gospel. What was, that? What was he saying? It's for kingdom dwellers. God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. What is it for? Kingdom dwellers. Or who is it for? Kingdom dwellers. These are principles of the kingdom. You must be, you know, the problem we have is when preachers, you know, maybe they, because of lack of understanding, they're not telling you, sow and collect. No, that's not what we're saying. It's your whole life must be committed to the kingdom. Now, I didn't say a ministry. Did I say a ministry? No, answer me. Did I say a church? Because, you see, again, that's the mistake we make, we preachers. What we call committed to the kingdom is commitment to our ministry. Committed to our church. So this brother is not committed to the kingdom if he's not committed to my church. That's not what we call committed to the kingdom. It's, how, it's simple things. Who does he consider his family? What does he live for? What is he trying to promote? These are the principles. Now, the fact that he sees the kingdom of God as paramount, the advancement of it is a sign he's living in it. And that is why people like Epa Elton will leave their country. Now, let me explain what I'm saying. Hmm? All my life, I've lived in well-built houses. I grew up in a typical middle-class home. All right, both parents civil servants. My mother was a school teacher, you know. Both parents civil servants. So we typically, you know, I've always had a car in the house. <laughs> Father used to drive a 404 when I was a small boy. <laughs> My mother drove a B2. You know when I tell you say things can go down. When I was young, what I used to pump regularly now, you open tap. We used to, you know, up Nepal, one of those things you learned. No, so I've always lived like that. Okay? Till where I am today. All right? I live in a decent house in a beautiful city called Enugu. I don't know why I want to live in Europe. If you want to live in a beautiful city, where do you go to? Enugu, thank you. I'm happy you are in the spirit. All these people in the flesh, I don't understand for them. <laughs> and then I drive a nice car. Thank God for that. Okay? 
I have internet, I have no friend. So one day I now pack, I leave everything behind. Say, God has called me. And I take my wife, poor girl. <laughs> and I carry my children too. And the guy is looking at me like, what's this daddy up to? But what will he do now? They now follow me to one part of maybe Middle East. God wants to say, go and preach there. And when we arrive, they say, welcome, our missionaries from Nigeria. And they put us in a tent in the desert. So my children come out in the morning, bring out their tab, looking for a network. <laughs> no network. And so they come when I was going back home. Say, when the Lord says so. Next morning, what are we eating? They have bread. They bring one roll, you know, like um, you know, Tuareg. <laughs> you know. They, they milk goat while they are watching. And they give it to them to use to eat the roll. And like that, they say, God called you. <laughs> and they say, I say, yes. They say, Daddy, please, I have a question. When he called you, did he call us too? <laughs> Let me tell you how bad it was. You will be laughing now. John G. Lake, his wife died because of this. Hunger, poverty. A man who was a millionaire. She didn't have food to eat. We can be here laughing now. But some men went through this. Pai Elton lived in a developed country. They were conquering the whole world. They were still ruling that time. That's the Great Britain. Then he left and went to, where did he tabernacle? Elisha, right? And you see a picture of him cooking on fire with firewood on the earthen stove. You know, let me tell you something, brethren. Some people say that I don't like people going out, but no, you can go anywhere you bloody like. But please, reason properly. That's my own. I cannot see the discomfort I'm running from. I think of piloting. I say, if I think like this, God has no choice but to punish me. Say, Banky, didn't you read the story of piloting? You know, there's a story I tell all the time. I have never been able to tell it without tears coming to my eyes. John Chilik said, you want to know the secret of power in South Africa? They had preachers who were in the bush. They had no money to give them. He told them, come back home. They said, we can't come back. He said, there's only one thing we ask you for. If we die, come and bury. He said, that would, yeah. He counted the number of men he buried. Number of children he buried. Number of wives he buried. He said, one man, he lost his senses because of pressure. They used the blood on his feet to find him. He walked into the bush. Decided looking for this preacher. White man. How did they find him? Where he was bleeding. They saw the trails of his blood. I'll now be telling you I'm looking for a safer environment. When I'm living in Enugu. If you were God, wouldn't you punish me? Wouldn't you punish me if you were God? For everything I have taught you. For how much I have blessed you. Look at the comfort you live in. They said there's insecurity in Nigeria. It makes me laugh. You know why I laugh? Talking about insecurity. I said, no. 100,000 people a year die of drug overdose in America. Drug alone. There's an average of one mass shooting every day. It's increased to almost two recently. I'm, I'm not saying it's not worse than Nigeria. I'm not saying it's worse. 
But if you think there's security anywhere, forget that nonsense. Where do you want to find safety on this earth? You're out of your mind. Where do you want to find it? I can't complain. I just feel myself I'm too privileged because, you see, I look at what I have around me. And I say, God, you know, if I talk, you should punish me. You should. Not because I don't like a good life. I only joke about my wife. My wife, the only thing she asks for me to do, invest money so I can have 24 hours water. You don't blame her. She's always had water all her life in her house flowing. <laughs> like I joke about it. First of all, I entered into her father's compound. It's not to fall into their swimming pool that was my problem. Doesn't mean my mother-in-law was still alive. When my children come, last thing she does is clean the pool, make sure they have a place to swim. I marry and finish. Will they take a bucket and carry water? It's for the kingdom. <laughs> is it? No, I can't come. And I look at people like Pyle and say, Did you see what they went through? The man said, I like a big family. He said, But I was a white man. How do I raise my children? So, he, for that reason, he came with one child to Nigeria and made sure he never had another. Why? Well, he said, I won't have the opportunity to raise the family properly. He denied himself of that. He left a will that the day I die, I don't want any ceremony. The work is too enormous. At the age of 70 something or so, or 60 something, he was still driving himself from Lagos to Benin to Kwara to, you know, Elisha, all over the place, Ibadan, going up and down, preaching the gospel. They had to come together and say, Papa, it's enough to get him a driver. He didn't think it was necessary. All he did was preach, oh. Yet I live in a house that has like seven bedrooms. Many of you have never entered a bedroom the size of my own. And I'll be complaining. Ha! Pilotin will get up from his grave. His resurrection will be earlier than usual. <laughs> Just so he can bring the cane and tell Banky, Chesoto, and beat me well. Okay. That's a apostle language I spoke. It means prostrate. Lie down there. And he will flog me well. Tell me how stupid I am. He will show me a picture of where he came from. And show where he lived all his life. People of God, you either want to live for the kingdom. Or you don't want to. But what we are preaching, divine abundance, is tied to a life in the kingdom. Let's bow down our heads. Just say to the Lord, is kingdom or nothing. Say to the Lord, is the kingdom or nothing? Is the kingdom or nothing? Is the kingdom or nothing? For me, Lord, is the kingdom or nothing? Everything I'm doing has to be for the kingdom. Remember, we're not talking about the congregation. We're not talking about the ministry. We're not talking about a particular denomination. We're talking about the kingdom of God on the earth. He has a purpose. Say, Lord, the advancement of the kingdom of Christ, for me, that's the only thing.